Good evening. Tonight we're going to be in First uh, Samuel chapter four. First Samuel chapter four, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about losing God in religion. Losing God in religion. Our series on the life of Samuel, or the the book of First Samuel, is interesting because um, we're really you know studying this book chapter by chapter. Uh, and what's interesting, beginning in chapter. Four after verse one, basically for the next few chapters, uh, Samuel simply disappears. We see him in verse one of chapter four, but he doesn't show up again until chapter seven, verse three. So what's going on? What's happening here? Well, we already know that the priesthood was in rebellion against God at this time, and uh, we find out in chapter seven that this was a time when not only the priesthood was in rebellion against God, but also the people of Israel were in rebellion against God. And so now the the story shifts here in chapter 4 for the next several chapters from Samuel to what they call the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant. If you've ever read the Old Testament at all or seen the Indiana Jones movie, um, you know about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was basically a wooden chest overlaid with gold which contained um, several items that helped Israel remember God's faithfulness to them. One of them was the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. It was basically a, a box two by four roughly and it was it was covered uh, made out of acacia work wood but it was made of pure gold. Uh, covered with pure gold. And the two cherubim were hammered out on the top of that gold. But it was more than just a mere footlocker or chest. It was, it was the visible symbol for Israel of God's presence among His people. And so for the Israelites, to lose the ark was really tantamount to losing God. And so as we, we look at 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, I just want to uh, pray before we go any further and ask God to bless our time in His Word. Lord, we thank You that we've gathered here tonight and we can pray and, and expect You to answer our prayers. And Lord, we pray that You would open our hearts to Your Word as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 4 and we look at the idea of the, the captured ark and what that represents. And Father, we pray that you would apply these words to our hearts tonight. We ask this in precious in your in, in your son's precious name. Amen. You probably heard the story of the, the two brothers, ages eight and ten, who were getting into a lot of trouble. And uh, the they were in Sunday school one week and one of them got sent to the Sunday school superintendent. He was an older gentleman. Didn't really have a good knack of dealing with kids. So it was kind of intimidated, intimidating to be sent into the Sunday school office. And the boy got sent there because he wasn't behaving in class. And this older gentleman didn't really know how to deal with this young boy. And he was being kind of snotty. And uh, he pointed his finger at him. He stood up tall over this young boy as he sat on his chair. And he said, where is God? And the boy's eyes opened wide and didn't say anything. And 
The man, a little more forcefully, with a lower voice, a little more volume, said, Young man, where is God? And the boy squirmed in his seat. And finally, the older gentleman shouted one last time, putting his finger right in the boy's face, Young man, answer me! Where is God? And at that point, the little boy leaped out of his chair, ran back to his class, grabbed his brother, and said, we're in a lot of trouble. It seems that they lost God, and they think that we stole them. <laughs> now, that's kind of a silly story, and you've heard that before, but it begs the question, is God missing in your life? Well, today's tonight's message is losing God in religion. And that might seem a little odd for a title at first, but if religion is supposed to bring you closer to God, then how is it possible to lose God in religion? Well, let me tell you, it's very possible. And what we're going to look at tonight in 1 Samuel chapter 4 shows us exactly how it happened to the Israelites and how it can also even happen to us today, even as Christians. And so, uh, as we look at the first several verses here, Rather than read the whole text, I'm going to read it as we go through uh, the message tonight. So the first point here in verses 1-5, through five, basically, you can lose God by emphasizing ritual over relationship. You can lose God by emphasizing ritual over relationship. Now look at the, the first three verses here. You know, you, you ask the question, so how can you lose God in religion? Well, you can lose Him by emphasizing ritual over relationship. See, God created us to know Him. God created us to live in relationship with Him. We sinned, and we broke that relationship. God sent His Son Jesus to restore that relationship, to reconcile that relationship. Christianity is all about living in relationship with God with the very God who created you. So when you emphasize ritual over relationship, you, you actually lose God in religion. Now that does not mean that all rituals are bad. There are some rituals that are okay. A ritual is simply a, a repeated pattern, something you do in repetition. Anytime we sing the same worship song a second time, we've engaged in some kind of ritual, you might say. Anytime we close our, our prayers with the words in Jesus' name, it's kind of a ritualistic thing we do. There's nothing wrong with that. The question is, do you just repeat the patterns without any regard for God? Anytime we take the forms of religion and separate them from God, we're emphasizing ritual over relationship. So let's look at, at some of the ways that Israel lost God by emphasizing ritual over relationship with God. And I put them there in your outline for you. The first three verses cover the first one, depending on human wisdom rather than God's Word. Depending on human wisdom rather than God's Word. First of all, look at what it says in verses 1-3. through three. And Samuel, Samuel's Word came to all Israel. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. And the Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. And the Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, 
Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. A lot of people. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? So here's the picture. The Israelites and the Philistines both set up their respective camps. The troops move out to meet in battle, and Israel is basically soundly defeated by the Philistines. They lose 4,000 of their men. They die on the battlefield. Now to put that in perspective, um, since the beginning back in, in 2003, the, in the Iraq War, uh, we lost between 2003 and June 2014, roughly, about 3,500 soldiers in combat. That's a lot of men. But here Israel lost more soldiers in one day than we've lost in 11 years in a battle in Iraq. They lost 4,000 men in one day. That's a crushing defeat. You would think that if you were Israel, you perhaps go back and talk to God about it. And not just talk amongst yourselves. Verse 1 even reminds us that there was a prophet available. Samuel, he was there. He, they could have enlisted his help anytime. God was speaking to Israel through Samuel at this time in history. The only problem was they weren't willing to listen. So Samuel's strangely absent for the next three chapters. Israel has a prophet, but they're not using him. They're not talking to God. Instead, they're conferring one with another. Now, let me just say, whenever you depend or rely on human wisdom rather than God's Word, you're really emphasizing ritual over relationship. See, a relationship is built on communication. A relationship is built on trust. The book of Proverbs in chapters 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge Him, and what will He do? He will make your paths straight. But unfortunately, Israel didn't do that. They relied on human wisdom rather than God's Word. We should not do that. Don't ever do that. That's not a wise thing for a Christian to do, especially. Well, secondly, we see here that they're trying to manipulate God for their own purposes. They're trying to manipulate God for their own purposes. You can lose God by emphasizing ritual over relationship and one of the ways you do that is you try to manipulate God for your own purposes. And this is what they did. Look at what it says in verse 3. The elders came up out of their, their little conference and they said, let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So basically they said, let's, let's get the ark of the covenant and we'll take it into the battle with us. That way we can't lose. God will have to give us the victory. But guess who they didn't consult? They didn't consult God's spokesman. They didn't consult Samuel. He's nowhere to be found. They weren't interested. They didn't seek God. Instead, they came up with their own scheme, their own idea. They tried to manipulate God into giving them the victory by bringing this ark, which represented His presence, into the battle. Now before we're too hard on the Israelis here, we, we need to stop and ask ourselves, have you ever tried to manipulate God? Have we ever done that ourselves? 
Have you ever tried to strike a bargain with God? Uh, we usually do it something like this. God, if you'll just do this and this for me, then I will do this for you, God. You know, as if God needs us. And Lord, if you'll just let this plane land safely at my destination, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Lord, if you just let me win the lottery, I'll, I'll get half the money to the church. If you'll just help me pass this test, Lord, I'll even serve you during vacation Bible school this, this next year. That's not a relationship. That's manipulation. And when we try to manipulate God, we lose Him in the process. Well, thirdly, you also lose God in religion by focusing on religious objects rather than God. Look at verses 3 and 4. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord's Covenant, from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. Notice how the Israelites are depending on it rather than he, so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of the enemies. They don't say, let us bring the ark of the Lord so that God may go with us and save us from our enemies. They say, this ark, this box is going to do it. The ark was supposed to be the visible symbol of God's presence among the Israelites. But it was never meant to be a substitution for God himself. That's not what it is. Deuteronomy 24 says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Deuteronomy 24. But the Israelites were, what were they doing? They were trusting in this box. They were trusting in the ark rather than trusting in God himself. See, any time you focus on a religious object rather than focusing on God himself, you're substituting ritual over relationship. You're substituting ritual for relationship. I mean, this, is, this can be a, a huge stumbling block for people even today. There are people who today are very religious. They rely on cross necklaces or prayer beads or pictures of Jesus or statues of saints to help them. Instead of trusting in God themselves, Himself. That's what's sad. Focusing on religious objects instead of God is super, superstition at best. It's idolatry at the worst. Either way, it's wrong. This is the mistake that the Israelites made with the ark. And they should have known better. It was called the Ark of the Covenant as a reminder of what? Of God's covenant covenantal relationship with them. It was representative of the relationship they had with the real God. And so focusing on religious objects rather than God is another way we emphasize ritual over relationship. Well, also, expecting God's blessing without repentance. Fourth thing. This is what they did. Look at verses 4 and 5. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, Remember, these were the, the evil dudes from before. Eli's son, they're wicked. They're being abusive of the priesthood. They're taking advantage of the people's offerings. 
they're participating in prostitution at the place of worship. Hophni and Phinehas were with the Ark of the God of Covenant. We're with the Ark of the Covenant of God, excuse me. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. In other words, when they brought the Ark back, they just went nuts. It was like their team arrived. That first line is very telling. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were with the Ark. You can see the problem. These were probably the the two of the most wicked people in Israel at the time. And they put them next to what was supposed to be a holy object that was representative of God's holiness and presence within them. And they said, yeah, go get those wicked guys and let them get the ark. They were abusing the priesthood. They were stealing from the offerings. They were sleeping with women at the temple. These were not good guys. And all Israel knew about it. They all knew it. And yet, when they walked in with the ark, these two individuals who were in complete rebellion against God, they all went nuts. What they should have done, they should have tore their clothes. They should have poured dust on their heads. They should have said, get those two guys away from that thing. What are they thinking? Instead, they raised up a great shout of celebration. Israel expected God's blessing without repentance see repentance for sin is critical to maintaining fellowship with god it's critical you can't hold on to your sin and have a relationship with god at the same time it's impossible you need to confess your sin and receive god's forgiveness anytime we we hold on the forms of religion without true repentance were substituting ritual for relationship. Cannot expect God's blessing without repentance. Once again, the, the Christian religion is full of forms and, and rituals. There's such things as churches that are called high church. There's a big choir and the pipe organ, orchestra, and it's all hymns and operatic music. That's fine. There's such things as low church. You have liturgical churches, non-liturgical churches. None of those are bad in and of themselves, but anytime we emphasize ritual over relationship, we risk losing God and religion, just as, just as Israel did. And we don't want to do that. Well, secondly, you can lose God not just by emphasizing ritual over relationship, but you can lose God by following a false religion. Look at verses 6-9 to nine in our text. This is such an important point. See, you can, you can lose God by following a false religion. We use the example of the Israelites to learn about losing God with in the true religion. And now we're going to use the example of the Philistines to learn about God, about losing God in following a false religion. See, it wasn't that Israel was following a false god. They were following the right god. But they were doing it the wrong way. And now you have a group of people that are following the wrong gods. And so we want to see how this works out here. Well, how can you lose God by following a false religion? Look at verses 6 and 7. First of all, by not recognizing the one true God through Jesus Christ. 
The first way is pretty obvious. And that is when your religion does not recognize who the one true God is. In verses 6 and 7 it says, Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the Ark of the Covenant had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. Why? Because they knew what it represented. They knew it represented the presence of the Israeli God. And they said there, a God has come into the camp, they said. We're in trouble. Nothing like this has happened before. They just won a victory, but now they're afraid. See, when the Philistines heard all the hooping and hollering down there, they couldn't understand. They had to check it out. They thought, man, we just whipped, whipped these guys' tails. They lost 4,000 men. What's all the shouting about? And when they heard it was because of the ark, they were afraid. But notice what they said about the ark. A god has come into the camp. See, the Philistines didn't recognize the god of, the, of Israel as the one true god. The Philistines were polytheistic. They believed in many gods. And so they saw the Israeli god as just, what? One of many. One of many. The Philistines, you know, one god was another god. It didn't matter to them. There are many religions in the world today, but only Christianity recognizes the one true God. And that may sound harsh, but that is the truth. Hinduism Hinduism doesn't recognize the one true God of the Bible. Buddhism does not recognize the one true God of the Bible. Paganism in its various forms does not recognize the one true God of the, the Bible. The Muslims do not recognize the one true God of the Bible. Judaism doesn't even recognize the one true God of the Bible. I mean, they, they do yes and no, you might say. Both Islam and Judaism recognize the God of, of the Israelites from the Old Testament, but they do not recognize the fuller revelation that God has given of Himself through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in many ways. And in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. So apart from Jesus, there is no access to God. It was Jesus Himself in, in John 14, 6 that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. 1 John chapter 2, verse 23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. How important is it to believe in Jesus? It's essential. It's essential to knowing the one true God. The one true God is a trinity. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But those who do not acknowledge Jesus as Lord do not acknowledge the one true God. They lose God by following a false religion. But you can also lose God by holding on to misinformation. Holding on to misinformation within a false religion. Look at verse 8. Woe to us! Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the desert. See, the Philistines knew something about Israel's God. They knew that Israel's God was mighty. They knew that he had defeated the Egyptians. But they also had a lot of misinformation. For example, did you, did you notice how they speak about Israel's God in the plural? Gods? 
previously they spoke about him as a God. One of many. And now they speak of him as gods. As if Israel served a plurality of gods. Or that his strength came from numbers rather than his very being. They also have the part about all the plagues all mixed up. See, God worked the plagues on Egypt in their own country, not out in the desert. That's misinformation. You say, well, what's the big deal? So what if someone doesn't have it quite right? See, that's the whole problem. So many people who reject God and Christ today do so on a basis of misinformation or sometimes even non-information. They don't have any information. How many times have you heard somebody attack the Bible and you ask them, have you ever read the Bible? Well, I wouldn't read it. <laughs> well, you're attacking something you've never even read. That's kind of a ridiculous thing to do. They reject Christianity without really understanding what Christianity is all about. Someone once did a study and they researched, uh, they viewed Christians as primarily the following, hypocritical, too fo focused on getting converts, anti-homosexual bigots, um, sheltered, by that they meant old-fashioned, boring, out of touch with reality, too political, uh, judgmental. And, you know, you look at that, that list, that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about God's love. Christianity is about God's mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. Christianity is about understanding who Jesus is and understanding that He died for our sins and He rose again from the dead. Christianity is about loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. But see, that's not the message that's getting across to people today. People are losing God and religion because they're dealing with all sorts of misinformation. We need to do a better job as representatives of Christ in letting people know what Christianity is really all about. Well, the third thing here quickly is believing that you can fight against God and win. That's what they believed. Third way that you can lose God by following a false religion is believing that you can fight against the true God and win. Look at what the Philistines said again in verse 9 of chapter 4. He says, be strong, Philistines. I mean, they're fearful on one hand, but then they give this rah-rah uh, kind of speech. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, and you will be subject to or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you by be men and fight. And you might sit back and go, well, that's pretty honorable. I mean, they're really motivating their men to go out there and battle despite the fear, overcome the fear. See, the Philistines thought, though, if they just fought hard enough, if they just fought long enough, somehow they could beat the God of the universe. And you know what happened. Ironically, they did. They defeated the Israelites. And they not only defeated the Israelites, but they captured the ark. But you know what? Trust me, they did not defeat God. They did not be, defeat God. God let them win. It was no contest. As a matter of fact, it was kind of a surprising win. It's kind of like when you, you, you 
you wrestle your, your young little two-year-old, four-year-old boy, arm wrestle him, and you let him win. That's almost what it looked like. Job 23 says, God stands alone and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. You can't fight against God and win. And yet so many people try. They try it all the time. They try it all their life. Some people are willing to do just about anything rather than trust and serve God. And they'll fight against Him till the end. And they lose out on a relationship with God in the process. Very unfortunate. Well, the third thing here is you can lose God by emphasizing ritual over relationship. That was the first thing. The second thing is you can lose God by following a false religion. And the third thing here is nothing is worse than losing God. Nothing is worse than losing God. Look at verses 10 to 22. You can lose God in religion. You can lose Him by emphasizing ritual over relationship, following a false religion. But this last passage really teaches us here this evening that there's nothing worse than losing God. Nothing is worse than that. Losing God is worse than death or defeat. Look at what they said in verses 10 to 11. So the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to his tent and the slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of, the, of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. This is the report of God's of the Ark of the Covenant being captured. This was in fulfillment of the earlier prophecy where God said that Eli's sons would both die on the same day. Remember that prophecy? We read that last week, I think. And, and when we see this happening, this is the report that came back to Eli. What happened out there on the battlefield? Well, here's what happened. And look at verses 12 to 13. That same day a Benjamite ran from the battle line and went to Shiloh, his clothes torn and dust on his head. In other words, things are not good. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road watching because his heart feared for the ark of God. He knew they had it. And he thought, boy, this is not going to be good. And when the man entered the town and told what happened, the whole town sent up a cry. So this Benjamite arrives at Shiloh with his clothes torn, dust on his head, sign of mourning, a sign of repentance. This should have been Israel's attitude earlier when they got beat the first time, but they didn't learn their lesson. If it was, they maybe would not have suffered this horrible defeat in the second battle. And so here's Eli, the, the priest sitting in his chair by the side of the road waiting for the news from the battlefield. And remember, I told you almost every time we see Eli, he's either lying down or sitting down. He was a very heavy individual because it says that him and his sons took advantage of the offerings and just fed themselves. Uh, he may have had some misgivings about Israel bringing the ark into the, into the battle because we read that his, his heart feared for the ark. And so Eli heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this uproar? And the man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old. What a way to end, right? What a horrible way to end. And whose eyes 
were so set that he could not see. So he's blind, he's old. He told Eli, I've just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. Eli asked, what happened, my son? The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, notice he didn't do anything when he mentioned about his sons, but when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, it says. He had led Israel 40 years. You notice that he fell backward when he heard about the ark. Not when he heard about the defeat of the Israelites. Not when he heard about all the men that died. Not even when he heard about the death of his two sons. He fell backwards and died when he heard about the ark being captured. Remember what the ark represented to Israel. It represented God's presence among them. And the very fact that the ark was captured meant that, you know what? God had already left them to themselves. They had already lost God in religion by emphasizing ritual over relationship. And the capture of the ark was simply confirmation of Israel's sad state at this time. See, losing God is is worse than defeat. Losing God is even worse than death itself. Because when you lose God, you lose everything. Everything. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus asked the question, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Nothing is worse than losing God. And lastly, I just this last point is so important. Nothing can compensate for losing God in your life. Nothing. In verses 19 to 22, we look at the account of Phineas, Phineas's wife. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark had been the ark of God had been captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying, the woman attending her said, Don't despair. You have given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Poor Phineas's wife is so upset when she hears about the loss of the ark. She goes into labor, gives birth, and ends up dying as a result. Her father-in-law is dead, her husband is dead, and now she is dying too. And the woman attending her tries to comfort her, saying, hey, you've given birth to a son. This is the time for rejoicing. But instead of rejoicing, she names her boy Ichabod, which means no glory, or the glory has departed from Israel because the ark has been captured. I mean, the birth of a child should be a happy occasion, but it wasn't for Phineas' wife. 
Not because she was dying herself, but because the ark had been captured. The glory had departed from Israel and nothing can compensate for losing God. Every time someone spoke this boy's name, Ichabod, they would remember what happened to Israel. Nothing is worse than losing God. As we close our message tonight, I just want to ask yourself, do you have God in your life? Are you in a relationship with the living God? Or are you like the examples tonight? Are you losing God in religion? Are you losing God by focusing on a habit or a ritual instead of God? Or by following a false religion that doesn't center on Jesus Christ? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. See, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. To bring you to God. To restore you to relationship with God. Nothing is, is worse than losing God. Because God is here and God is present. God is available to us through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would trust in Him if you haven't already. Father, we thank You for our time tonight. We thank You, Lord, that You've given an opportunity for us to have a relationship with You through Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we would not lose You and the importance of a relationship with You in our religion or in our ritual. Father, but that we would trust in our relationship with Your Son. Because that's the only way that we can be reconciled to a holy God. The Bible says, for there's only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all need a mediator because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. And so, Lord, we pray tonight that you would, if there's any here who have yet to put their faith or trust in Christ, that you would draw them to yourself as only you can, that you would help them to cry out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.